Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. I know we're at the end of the day, and many of you have had a full, full day of learning, right? And you may even be feeling like there's no more room for anything else to go in. So, amen. I appreciate your perseverance to come. So, today's class is called Under the Influence, Filled with the Spirit. And uh, my name is Jeannie Miller, and currently my husband and I uh, lead a region in the Montgomery County Church of Christ. Before that, yeah, come on. Uh, before that, we uh, were in Pittsburgh, led in Pittsburgh. And there any Pittsburghers here? No? Okay. <laughs> yes, Pittsburgh. <laughs> there we go. Um, before that, we were here in Hampton Roads. And before that, we were in Northern Virginia. There's a few of you here from Northern Virginia. So I became a disciple. <laughs> Yes, my firstborn, right there. So I became a disciple in 2000, and um, I was the value to find meaning, to find purpose in the world, to drown out my under the influence of the world yeah. and the flesh and not of the Holy Spirit. Um, in fact, it just dawned on me that, so I'm 19, I'll be uh, 19 and a half, I'll be 20, and I was like, man, I still haven't been in the kingdom longer than I was in the world. <laughs> but amen for the Holy Spirit changing and transforming, right? But what I can also tell you is because I was in the world for so long that the world and the flesh have nothing to offer. Amen. Nothing at all. Nothing but shame, despair, discouragement, um, emptiness, void of meaning, void of purpose. There's nothing there. And I tried for years and years to find value, to find meaning, to find purpose in the world, to drown out my pain. And I tried from everything from being the party girl, you know, the, the drinking, the party lifestyle, to uh, men, multiple relationships, um, to money, you know, trying to make... A lot of money and spend a lot of money and um, nothing works only God only God can fill that hole so bear with me say a little prayer um, and we're gonna pray <laughs> oh that would be so encouraging because I have a video in here and and it comes together with the video <laughs> so Amen. We'll just keep going. The video's at the end, so we'll keep going. So anyway, um, so today our lesson is the Spirit-Filled Life. So I have a couple questions for you. I want to make this first part a little bit interactive. So what does it mean to have a Spirit-Filled Life? Anybody out there? What does it mean to you to have a Spirit-Filled Life? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Any thoughts out there? Yes. Okay. All right. Holy Spirit led. Yes. Live on purpose. Live on purpose. Yes. To feel confident. To feel confident. Yes. Interacting. Interacting. Fully engaged in his presence in your life. Fully engaged his presence in your life. I think about being filled with fruits, like having more patience. Okay. Being filled with the fruits, having more patience, things like that. 
So what does it mean, you know, I asked, what does it mean to have a spirit-filled life? What do you think it means to live a spirit-filled life? And I know they're very close, but sometimes the way our mind focuses. Yes? Well, I was just thinking about being flexible, like, with promptings to act. Okay. You know, like, that willingness to be, yeah, just a life where you're, when you're prompted, you, you're Okay, so flexible to have a willingness to be prompted by the Spirit. Yeah, and if you would, um, just when I call you, stand up so that you can project. Yes, prayer. Yes. Um, I was going to say more God-reliant versus self-reliant. More God-reliant versus self-reliant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Not being controlled by our emotions. Yes. Not saying no to the Yeah, the promptings of the Spirit. Yes. I would say just having a peaceful life. A peaceful life. I would say life that's filled with the Spirit, like, you know, love, patience, kind of like those sorts of spirits. Okay, all right. So here's another question. What's the difference between a Spirit-filled life and a Spirit-led life? Well, you can, I'm sorry. Yeah. You can be filled with the Spirit, but not necessarily act on what the Spirit is telling you to do. Right. I think that's the, probably what, what is most, what most sticks out for me. Okay. Okay. I, and I don't know if this, I don't know the answer, honestly, so I'm really excited to hear this, but I had, I had done this a little study on fear of God and how fear of God was like an Old Testament you saw people were led by their the fear of God or the fear of God was in them and so they acted. And so I was thinking someone like Samson who, like, there's things that were leading the spirit but ne not necessarily someone who's filled with it from, they're, they're actually spiritual, if that makes sense. So okay. I, I think about sometimes an external prompting from the spirit, like to go to that coffee shop or whatever, and that might come from somebody who might not be spiritual on the inside, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. That definitely makes sense. Here's another question. What does God, or I'm sorry, why does God give us the Holy Spirit? You know, a few things that I wrote down, just for time, I'm going to speed it up a little. A few things that I wrote down, why does God give us the Holy Spirit? To lead us towards holiness. To help us to become more like Christ. To help us to stay faithful to the end. So he can recognize us. We have the seal, the mark, right? Recognize that we belong to him. So that we can cross into the heavenly realm. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit to raise us up, right? Another question, why does God want us to have the Holy Spirit? A couple of things I wrote down, to accomplish God's purposes, not ours, in the church and in your life. And to bring us home to be with him forever. So maybe if you could get out a piece of paper and I'd like for you to write down, I'm gonna give you a few moments here. Why do you want the Holy Spirit? And maybe even think about when you were baptized, why did you want it then? And if you would just write down a few words as to why do you desire the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? Why do you desire the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? Just take a moment and write down.
Why do you desire the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? You know, maybe some things, here's some things that we could have written down. Is it for power? Is it for your own betterment and purposes? Is it for self-improvement? Is it so you won't feel the struggle or temptation of sin? Or is it because you want to be close to God and experience all that he has for you? Or is it because you don't want to be separated from God? Or is it because you want to overcome your sin so you don't hurt God? Or is it because you love the church and desire to better serve her? Or is it because you desire to be a better servant to your family, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, even the lost? Is it because you genuinely want to become like Christ? And if you notice, there was a difference between the first few that I read, having to do with four, in other words, four power, four betterment, four self-improvement. And those had tend to be a lot more about us, right? Versus those that were because. Those tended to lean a little bit more towards God. The bottom line is there are a lot of misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit, and we will not even remotely be able to touch on all the misunderstandings. But let me share with you one of my misunderstandings. So when I was baptized and got the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but I actually think I thought that I was just magically going to be sinless. And I was sinless for a brief nanosecond. <laughs> right? But I think somehow or another it, that... I just thought that I would not struggle with sin anymore. Oh, I'm going to get the Holy Spirit and I won't have to struggle with sin. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Still struggle with sin. Yeah, and, and the truth is, is that when I got baptized afterwards, I didn't actually feel different. I mentally knew I was a new creation, and God's word told me I was a new creation. But in some ways, when I came out of the water, I was kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. And the truth is, and let's just get honest, we don't spend a lot of time when we study the Bible talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and I have, to, to my shame, and I am growing a much deeper conviction about this, that there have been times even where I have said, oh, great, you're eager, you know you're lost, you, you know Jesus is Lord, you've repented, great. Let's, and you want to be baptized? Let's do it. We'll study the Holy Spirit after you're baptized. Yeah. Anybody else ever done that? Yeah. And so, like I said, I'm growing a deeper conviction about the importance of doing that on the front end. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, you know. And because I still, because I had some misunderstandings, and because I still was sinful, and again, I don't know why I thought I would not be sinful afterwards, but um, it created insecurity. So I don't know about you, did it, has that ever created any insecurity for you? It did earlier on, especially. Or maybe you have fears, maybe you come from a Pentecostal background, and maybe you're afraid of getting the Holy Spirit because of maybe some crazy things you've personally seen. But we can just have a lot of different misunderstandings. And what I know is that Satan wants to exploit those misunderstandings for his purposes. And always his purposes are to draw us away from God and away from righteousness and away from holiness. So let's take the scriptures and expose Satan's lies and God's truth. Amen? Amen.
All right, so let's see if I can actually do this. <gasps> so far, so good. <laughs> Galatians 5. Turn with me to Galatians 5. In verse 16, so Galatians 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sin sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. So let me just stop right there. Anybody ever felt the conflict? Yeah, we do all the time. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what I'd like to do before we keep going and reading this, because we're all quite familiar with 19 through 21. But before we go for forward, I actually want to back up a little bit and look at some context here. So let's go to um, Galatians 5, verse 1. And it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, sisters, some of you have been around a little longer, such as I, and there was a period of time where this passage was thrown around. I'm free in Christ. Anybody remember some of that? Yeah. But there was a little attitude behind that, right? And that's not what this passage teaches. This passage is talking about that you're free from the slavery of sin. And the truth is, is that you're free... To love God. You're free to do his will. Right? But this is all about being set free from the old covenant in many ways. Right? That you're not under the covenant of law, but, but you now are under the covenant of grace. And then if you go on down in verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You know, and sisters, this word love is agape, the Greek agape. And this just means, um, the Greek of this means to prefer, to love, goodwill, actively doing what God prefers with him, with his power, with his direction. It is a love that is a decision, that is a choice, it is a love given by grace because it's the basic character of God. It's the ability to love others as God has loved us. And sisters, loving is always defined by God, not by man. Agape love is unconditional, is the unconditional love that God has for the world. It's a love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. In other words, it's unconditional. I don't know about you, but this is so hard. Unconditional love is really hard. This word is used 117 times in the Bible. So I want you to keep this, when we come across the word love, I want you to think about this kind of love. So let's go back. And in um, verse seven and eight, you were running a good race who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. What kind of per persuasion 
does not come from the, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And then go to verse 13. You, my brothers, you, my sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Agape. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love, agape, your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of this sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Please power off. <laughs> Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. I wonder if I can do this. I can do that. Okay, I'll keep it going. <laughs> so, um, yes, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, most of us know this list pretty well, but the truth is, is that most of us pay a lot more attention in some ways to 19 through 21. Now, there's, we, we have that. That's very tangible to us. In some ways, this other list, the fruits of the Spirit, in some ways they seem like they're, sometimes you can just feel that it's just not quite within our grasp, right? And the fruit of the Spirit, you know, interestingly, notice that it's not fruits. It's not plural. It's fruit of the Spirit. And that this is a biblical term that signs, that sums up the nine attributes of a person or a community living in accord with the Holy Spirit. So point number one, spirit-filled or spirit-led? Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, that will just sit there for a while. Point number one, spirit-filled or spirit-led? You know, to be spirit-filled, what's the difference, right? I asked that in the beginning. Spirit-filled versus spirit-led. You know, to be spirit-filled requires the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to, be, to become, to be spirit-filled. Spirit-led, however, may or may not require the indwelling. So if you think about John 16, where it says that, the um, Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That the Holy Spirit is working on everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It works on everyone. It was working on every single one of us to bring us 
towards Christ, to want to study the Bible, to want to seek God, to want to repent, all those things. But it wasn't until you repented and made Jesus Lord and was baptized that then the Holy Spirit began to live inside of you. Now, these two can overlap, okay? But to be Spirit-filled does require the indwelling. Spirit-led, so let's talk about that a little bit, is basically I hear God's direction. I hear God's leading or prompting. And if I choose to follow, you know, because shamely, I, I, and I don't think I'm the only one, but I get prompted to do things and I don't follow through. Even if it's as simple as, you should invite the cashier to come to church. And I sit there and I go, well, that lady's got a lot and I, I, she won't be interested. I mean, you know. It's embarrassing, but we all do it, unfortunately. That doesn't make it right. I'm not minimizing that. <laughs> I'm definitely not minimizing that. Um, so I need to repent in those moments. But if I choose to follow, if I choose to act, I choose to obey, then I was spirit-led. Right? Because if I don't choose to act or obey or follow, that's not spirit-led. That's flesh-led. Right? That list, that whole list of in 19... You know, the Spirit will never lead me towards that list. Right? It will only lead me towards the other list. You know, to be Spirit-led is always towards holiness, towards truth, towards righteousness. To be Spirit-filled says, I am filled with the Holy Spirit when I act, apply, and obey. Remember I said they can overact, overlap a little bit? So I'm filled when I act or apply or obey the direction, the guidance, the prompting, the leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I feel prompted by the Spirit to do this or don't do that or go this direction or don't go that direction or say that, encourage that person or don't say that to your husband. So, right? So we, we, all, we all get those. But it's when I respond righteously, it's when I act on the spirit of the Holy Spirit, it's when and as I do those things consistently and repeatedly, that's when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So I can be spirit-led, you know, I'm prompted by the spirit, but I I choose either I follow or I don't follow. If I follow, I was spirit-led. If I don't follow, that's not a spirit leading, right? But as I obey, as I um, apply, that it's almost like a working inside of me. And there's fruit, there's outgrowth, it's visible. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it seems to include additional action on our part, right? And so there, again, there's something that's happening as I am applying, as I am obeying, as I am acting, on the Spirit's promptings. That we, as disciples, we actually have a role. It's not just magical, like I come out of the water, I'm baptized, and poof, man, I am just full of love, joy, peace, patience, you know? I'm never going to struggle with any of that stuff. No, we have a role. The Holy Spirit does not overtake me, but it actually works with me and in me. Does that make sense? And so filling or being filled with the Holy Spirit seems to imply 
potentially reoccur recurring event in my life versus one-time act. What I mean by that is, you know, you meet someone and you go, wow, they're very loving or they're very joyful or they're very faithful. That's because they have acted on the promptings of the Spirit over and over and over. That has become who they are versus, wow, that one thing you did, that was really nice. <laughs> that was good, right? Um, we're all capable of having one-offs, you know? <laughs> So here's a couple things to think about, sisters. If there's no fruit in your life, in other words, you just feel like you're not seeing fruit, or there's low fruit, or inconsistent fruit, or you just feel like there's no victories in your life over sin, then maybe check your obedience to God's Word. You know, Check your heart and your desires to imitate Christ and the actual imitation of it. Sisters, we are filled through active obedience and imitation of Christ, wholehearted, faithful. And as we pursue imitation of Christ's love and his holiness, then we're filled with his love and we become more loving. As we pursue imitation of Christ's patience, then we are filled with his patience and we become more patient, right? As we pursue imitation of Christ's faith, then we are filled with faithfulness and become more faithful. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I pray, it's so easy for us to pray, oh, God, help me to be patient. Right? I mean, you know, whatever is in the moment, it's like, just help me to be patient in this situation. And one of the things that has really helped me is to change my prayer that instead of saying, help me to be patient, instead, God, help me to be patient so I can become more like Christ. Amen. One is transformative. The other is about me. You know, I used to find that when I would go visit family and um, there are uh, relatives who uh, don't believe in saying no to their children and yeah, and so I would go, and I was just like, God, help me to be patient, help me to be nice, help me to be kind, because I just wanted relief in the moment. I wanted to get through the holidays without my holiday being ruined, right? There's nothing transformative about that, right? Versus, God, help me to be patient so I can become more like your son. Because God's Holy Spirit, it transforms his people to share in his character. And it empowers them to fulfill his purposes. Not to become my best self. Not to be self, you know, for self-improvement or to be a good person. Right? So, point number two. Superhero or supernatural? <laughs> so let's go back to the, one of the questions I asked. Why do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do you desire the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? So again, just, just putting that back in your mind. And so here's a couple of questions. What superheroes do you like because of their superpowers? Wonder Woman. Okay. Who else? Superman. Captain America. What are some other girls? Heroines. Who? I can't hear. <laughs> Power Girl. You know, 
So what superpower, think right now, what's a superpower um, that you want and why? Let me take a few from the floor. What's a superpower you'd like to have and why? Yes. She wants to teleport, right? So you can avoid traffic. Yes. I didn't hear the. For a positive source. Okay, yes. Know when to speak and when not to speak. Yes. so you can get away from city. Yes? Okay, you'd like to be able to mind read, right? I think be invisible. Be invisible, and why would you want to be invisible? Because I'm nosy. Because I'm nosy. <laughs> so here's a... So here's one, Elastigirl. Okay? So... Think about this, moms. Wouldn't it be nice cool. to just reach over and stop your child from taking the cookie or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> right? Think about the things you could do with that. Yeah. Okay. Mystique. Yeah. Didn't she teleport? No. Oh, shapeshifter. Changes form. Okay. Okay. I heard that back there. Okay. Storm. Okay. Violet. Violet could do the, the bubble and something else. She could do something else. She's invisible. Right. You mentioned that, right? To be invisible. <laughs> okay. Right. You know, this is all fun, right? And we can dream a little bit and have a little fun. But what do you really desire? To be a superhero and have a superpower or the supernatural, to be immortal, eternal, a relationship with God. You know, sisters, we are called to ask the Holy Spirit to empower us, but to empower us as he sees fit, as God sees fit. Yes, the scriptures do emphasize and they, they do um, tell us that we should desire fruit, right? But we should desire the God of the fruit more and first than the fruit itself. We need to get first things first. Go after the God who's the giver of the fruit instead of the fruit itself. You know, God calls us to pursue him and not just what he might do for us. You know, ultimately, we're called to pursue the God of the supernatural and not the power of the supernatural. You know, ask yourself, do a little quick inventory. Do I possess each of the fruit of the Spirit? You know, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, the whole list. Do I possess each of those in a supernatural way or to a supernatural degree? Am I more loving this year than I was last year? Or more patient this year than I was last year? or more faithful, or more peaceful. And again, that's not to make you feel bad or feel guilty with the guilt-free conference, right? That's what they said. But it's to do an inventory. 
Do I live supernaturally? Do I, do I have supernatural love, supernatural patience? But here's the good news, sisters. It really is available for you. Yes. It really is. You know, being Elastigirl, that's not really available. Right? But these fruits of the Spirit are. Amen. You know, when we are Spirit-filled, sisters, we will look and sound more like Christ. We will live supernaturally. So let's look at living supernaturally. I want to look at an example in the Bible of living supernaturally and imitating Christ. Luke 23. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So thank you. Luke 23. For those of you who know me, this is actually revolutionary for me to do something with slides. I use paper calendar. I'm a paper girl. So, Luke 23, verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And let me just stop right there. This is supernatural love. Right? Think about this. He's about to be murdered in every sense of the word. He knows it, and he prays in advance for forgiveness. Think about that. If somebody broke into your house and was about to murder you, torture you, and you would stop and pray for them to be forgiven. Beyond my imagination. Supernatural. Verse 35, the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Supernatural. You know, and, and you might be thinking, yeah, but that's Jesus. So let's look at somebody who imitated Jesus in this way. Acts 7. In Acts 7, verse 54 through 60. That kind of forgiveness, not natural. Acts 7, verse 54. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, 
and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul was there giving approval of his death. You know, sisters, forgiveness is not natural. And these are some extreme situations for sure, but garden variety forgiveness is not natural either. Right? right? You know, anybody in here ever had to forgive anyone? No. Okay, right, right. It's not easy, right? It's hard because it's not natural. Unconditional love is not natural. But you know what is natural? Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Resentment. Those are actually natural. However, although it's natural, it's also a form of hatred. And that's in that Galatians 5 list. It talks about the acts of the sinful nature, the flesh, right? Yeah, it's a form of hatred. And so what's the opposite of hatred? Love. 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 Forgiveness, sisters, is supernatural love. Agape. You know, will you supernaturally love the person who has hurt you? At least half this room has someone right now in their life that the Holy Spirit is already leading you by God's word and Christ's example to forgive. Will you supernaturally love the person who hurt you? You can with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, 1 John 1, 19 says we love because he first loved us. You know, sisters, when we're filled by the Holy Spirit, you actually are a supernatural superhero for God with supernatural powers from God and to be used by God. And when, when you have the Holy Spirit, you're immortal. That's true superpower. But you know what? Your superpowers, they have to be learned. They have to be honed. They have to be developed. So think about how many of you have seen The Incredibles. Okay? And even the, the second one in Jack-Jack, he's got all kinds of, but he's like bouncing all over everywhere and combusting and, you know, you know, or whether it's, um, you know, maybe you've seen Heroes or Guardians of the Gospel, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> you are Guardians of the Gospel, okay? So, or X-Men, right? And so these superheroes, they have to learn how to hone and, you know, their powers. Yeah, we've got to to obey God, respond to his promptings, and learn how to. Those have to be developed, and they're going to get developed in us as we're filled, you know, by the Spirit. And only God can give fruit. Only God can give the fruit of the Spirit to enable you to have supernatural love, supernatural patience. But remember to pursue the God of supernatural and not the power of the supernatural. I have a video. We're going to pray it works. Oh. oh, I didn't even know that was in there. <laughs> Thanks, honey. 
heart. Love will fall. Love, of course. Elsa, love. supernatural love God's love melts a frozen heart let's melt hearts in all our churches and all over the world amen thank you